0: Welcome to Coffee and Change, I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a US veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, Gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Today's conversation and story is shared by Colin McCletchy. Colin is the owner and founder of Five Ways Forward and partners with individuals, managers, leaders, and executives to evolve, grow, and thrive as human beings. As we hear in this discussion with Colin, everything he does comes from what he believes in and what he sees in others. And what that belief and sight looks like is lives worth living, leaders worth following, and teams and organizations worth being a part of, all of which create communities and a world worth living in. Colin plays many roles in this life as a coach, a consultant, a trainer, a facilitator, a speaker, and more. I'm honored to get to call him a friend along this journey. No matter the hat he's wearing, Colin is concretely focused on helping people and teams think, feel, and believe differently so they can do differently to increase their impact on the mission and the world. I trust this discussion and the insights explored with Colin will find a way to help you take a new step, a courageous step, and a lasting step for yourself. Thanks for listening as always, and enjoy the discussion.
1: Who I am and what I'm all about are big questions, and I think they're big questions for anyone if they ever really stopped to think about that. So I'll start by saying what I believe in. What I believe in is lives worth living, leaders worth following, and organizations worth being a part of that hopefully create communities and a world worth living in. So everything that I do, everything that I'm about is is really about helping individuals, managers, executives, teams, organizations, explore what is possible for themselves, the impact they want to have, the purpose, and then figure out the path forward to get there. So whether I'm doing executive coaching or facilitation or keynote speaking or Or running a leadership or management training program however however the work shows up what's underneath all of that is is really just about helping people find more authenticity more realness and more integration of their whole self into their whole life sometimes that's at work and sometimes it's not but Yeah. I really think in some ways, Bill, my job as a coach, as a facilitator is to help people think, feel, and believe differently so they can do differently so they can have more of the impact and and life and everything that they want to have.
0: That's a big mission, (laughs) kind of a big vision and a big mission, but that doesn't surprise me at all knowing you. Um, I think one of the things you said just now that kind of... I don't wanna say triggered me, but like it hits something, right? Is the way you said, um, the way work shows up for, for all of us. Um, and what's really interesting when I heard you kind of say that, one of the things that comes up for me is oftentimes we wait for something to show up to then tell us who we are or to remind us to stop and take pause and understand who we are. And I think um, you and I have chatted, obviously, a, a few times this past year, year and a half. It's hard to believe it, you know, kind of going on two years of all this change. I think it's it's really interesting. Not only did we, did a number of us sort of get side swiped by work showing up and telling us who we are, but like, but life showed up and told us who we were too. And, and I don't know if all of us, we're used to that, that second part of it. Like We're used to kind of having work show up and say, oh, this is who you gotta be today. This is your persona. This is your role. This is your expectation. Um, and oftentimes or I would- the,
1: the hat you're wearing, right? Yes. We love that phrase in corporate. Mm-hmm. What hat are you wearing?
0: Right, and and I think sometimes we put the rest of who we are on the back burner. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would argue that that's, that's nearly impossible to do right now, just kind of in the way we're in the world right now. What, what, I'd love your well, thoughts on that.
1: No, I think that's right. I heard somebody say, and I'd love to attribute it if I could remember who said it, that, that early in the, in the pandemic, Mother Nature has sent us all to our rooms to think about what we've done. It's a great way to describe and, it. Right? And, and you know, many people have said, oh, we're all, in the, we're all in the same boat. Well, that's a load of hooey. We're all in the same storm but we are all in very different boats. Yeah. And some of us don't have boats at all and are, are treading water or drowning and others have luxury yachts, right? What I do think is universal in some ways is, is that I, you know there's nobody on the planet who hasn't been in some way affected by this, even if from a distance. Um, and so I do think that it has forced many of us forced slash given us the time, space and opportunity to ask the deeper questions of ourselves. And we spend so much of our lives. uh, And if you ascribe to adult development theory, which I'm a big fan of, right, one of the phases that many of us live in for a long time is called the socialized mind. the socialized mind gets its identity from work, from team, from church, from family, from the outside world. And then as we continue, and and what many people describe as the midlife crisis is when we start to ask deeper questions and we move into the self-authored frame of mind. And then if we keep going, eventually the self-transformational frame of mind, and maybe then if we're really lucky and keep doing the work We get to the integrated frame of mind, uh, the unified. Um, I think that COVID has kicked us all in the butt a little bit and and sat us down almost literally to to ask those deeper questions, to be with those deeper questions, to allow them to emerge maybe faster than, than they would have otherwise. And so, yeah, so we're all taking stock. We're not done. This is not over, right? This is what, you know, we're, it's not done. We want it to be done, but it's not done.
0: We do, we, we very much want it to be done. I mean, I can share with you, I think you and I were communicating a little bit earlier last week. I, I was on my first business trip in a year and a half last week. Um, and uh, it's an understatement to say it took a toll on me. Um it was the first time I had been around that many people. Um It was the first time I had been on a plane that long in a hotel um, in an Uber. You know, it just the it's really interesting to me to think as a consultant and for those listening who kind of used to live this lifestyle, I mean, I used to do this every week, right? Like, no. Yeah. It was just autopilot. You you jump on a plane. And, and sometimes
1: yeah. two or three different places in a week. Yes. Right? You know, right. I'd right. have a speaking gig in one place on Monday and then I'd have to be somewhere else on Wednesday. And but you know, yeah. And we're yeah. not doing that anymore.
0: We're we're not. And I think it's really interesting because for me, a number of people have asked me just in this week, how does it feel? And do you see yourself possibly going back to that? And To your earlier point around sort of stopping and listening to our bodies in ways that we never have before, because we've never really been afforded, or Mother Nature's never really given us an opportunity to give us a timeout like she has. Um, I'm getting different answers. Mm. Um, and it's and I think it's interesting because there are a number of people who are sort of maybe surprised at what they're hearing. Um, you know me saying things like, I don't see myself doing this that often, right? I don't see myself doing big summits. I don't see myself doing conferences. I can't even imagine myself going to a concert. Um, you know, I went to a Mariners game with with, the, with my team, I think it was the week before last, and that was really a shock to my system, going into a baseball stadium. Um, and it's forced me in a good way to sort of stop and say, what's coming up? Like, what what presents itself. Um, and I think it's interesting because the work you, you do the work you've done not only involves sort of helping people understand what's going through their mind, but you also do a lot of work around something called polarity, uh, therapy, which I'd love for you to talk about. Cause it's something that a lot of people, to my knowledge, don't necessarily know about. Um, but I, sometimes the way I've described it to people is it's understanding Kind of your own body as um, as almost like a tuning fork as an energy mechanism, um, and listening to it in a different way because your mind will lie to you every every chance it can because it's a pattern seeking device. But I've also read a lot about trauma and how the body cannot lie to you. Um, and I think what's mm-hmm. coming up for people like me and others who are in this in between space, right? We're trying to figure out. There's no going back, but there's a there's a there's a different path but the body starts to tell me, hey, this is not, this is not a good fit for me. So I would I just love your this. thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, so polarity therapy is a form of hands-on energy balancing work. So it's not massage, it's not Reiki, but it's, it's kind of in that vein. But what we're focusing on is working with the body's energy system to balance that, because we believe that where energy goes, form and substance must follow so if we can rebalance and and get the body's energetic system in in wellness and healthfulness that promotes greater wealth uh, well-being and healthfulness for for the rest of the system and so you know when somebody's on the table and and I've got my hands on them which I haven't gotten to do in you know 2 years uh, there, there is a, a different kind of knowing, a different intelligence, a different awareness that emerges. I love that you say the body doesn't lie. What we believe in polarity is that dis-ease becomes disease. Right. And so we've just gone through a whole big bunch of dis-ease. And what you're noticing I, and what I'm picking up from you and, and I know is real for me and many other people is re-emerging into a not yet safe world because it is not yet safe for, you know, we, as many people who've gotten vaccinated and and as much progress as we have made, we're seeing, we're seeing the Delta variant and the, the Lambda variant and it's, you know, we, we're not, we're not, we're still in the woods. Right. Um, I have a friend who put it, who put this experience, this liminal experience, this in-between experience this way, she said, I'm a cat, I want in, I want out, I want in, I want out, I want in, I want out, (laughs) and I think a lot of us are experiencing that and and, and not everyone is, some people have thrown the doors wide open and said, I am vaccinated and I'm going to go do my thing and more power to you and you get to make that choice. And we're seeing the impacts of that. We're seeing mm-hmm. spikes in cases. We're seeing, you know, the, those decisions have ramifications. Um, and so, so I think we're all wrestling with what is our level of risk, what is our level of comfort, what is the life I want to live, what what is possible for me now that wasn't possible. What are the gifts of what of this experience? Because as hard and terrible and awful as it has been. I know it has also given me and many other people some really rich, deep gifts, presence with the self, presence with family, um, reconnection to the outdoors and nature. And, and I'm a big believer that nature is nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the good fortune to, to buy a little cabin out in the woods during the pandemic because we I, I needed it. I needed it for my health. I needed it for my well-being. I needed it for, for um, just to be in that space. So, so, so this whole energy field of the world has changed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think when we tune into ourselves in these deeper ways, you know, for you, Bill, your, your body is saying, hey, not as much as we did before. Yeah. You know, might, might be okay, but, but let's let's take this easy. Let's ease into this. Let's try this back on and see if it still fits. Mm-hmm. It may or may not. And to allow yourself the graciousness to to experiment with it, to notice it and to make the decisions that are right for you, I think, is is the best gift anyone can give themselves. I just hope people do it consciously as much as possible.
0: Well, and I think the other piece that's really kind of powerful at this time is there's a lot of there's a lot of leaders trying to figure this out. And I Mm. know you've spent a lot of work in the space of leadership development. and, and even sort of the definition of what, what it means to be a leader, right? And this, this concept of um, how, how do you take care of yourself while also taking care of others? And so much of this has shifted and is shifting. I mean, I've had, I've had very informative conversations just these past several months around, you know, maybe what you would have done as a leader looks and feels different than it ever has before. So I know that's something that you talk a lot about um, this sort of the caretaking as a leader, but also the self care as a leader. So would love for you to expound upon that.
1: So I heard you say, you know, t- I heard you say it in a way that, that really struck me because you, you separated them mm-hmm. and I see them as all part of the same we cannot care for others unless we are caring for ourselves in a real, honest, true way. We can do it from from the ego self, we can do it from the we think we're being helpful self, but unless we are leading the way with our own well-being and our own healthfulness, um, and and dealing with that, it's, I think, nigh on impossible to really be in a deep place of herbs. We have to care for ourselves to be of service to others. It is a requirement. Or trauma results, depletion, exhaustion, and and life has thrown a lot of people a lot of depletion and exhaustion mm-hmm. and they are still in service to others and so i think we cannot operate the way we were mm-hmm. and i and i think that's where a lot of it is coming from is is what you said bill that people we literally have to change our minds we have to change our minds about what it means so some of the big conversations that i've been in with leaders of late i've been asking a couple of really uh, what i consider i mean they're 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 they're, they're questions that stop people in their tracks yeah and the first is i hear so many people saying you know well work is work and life is life and there the twain shall meet and so i will ask them well what part of work what part of leadership isn't personal now, i've had people chew on that question for two three minutes before saying anything because their higher self knows well of course it's personal
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But their operating system, the way they were showing up up until that question was asked, is telling them something else. The reality is that leaders, and we all know this, if you've had a bad boss, if you've had a good boss, if you've had a media, we've all had bosses, right? They have either enhanced who we were or they have dragged us down or some mix of all of that. So we know on some level it's personal. Is it personal whether or not you get a promotion? Yep. Is it personal whether or not you get fired? You betcha. Is it personal whether you're miserable at work or whether you are thriving at work? Of course it is. But so many leaders say, no, Oh no, 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 no. It's not personal. It's just business. Like that's a load of crap. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop that because then we cannot embrace the full humanity of our leadership. We say, you know, employee engagement is the whole, it's the rage. Everybody wants, I want engaged employees. Well, what about that isn't personal? The word engage means to make a pledge to. And where do we put our hands when we make a pledge to something? We put it over our hearts. We don't, we don't put it on top of our head and say, I, you know, I pledge my commitment to blah, 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 blah. No, we put it over our heart. And so I am exploring more and more bringing spirit and the spirit self into leadership, the full human self and the full spirit self. And so the second question I'm asking people is what part of leadership isn't about love? Now some people are deeply uncomfortable with that. I was facilitating a workshop where, you know, s- someone was having a very deep reaction to I can't em- I can't embrace that because love has hurt so many people. Like well love is also the pathway to healing. So what part of leadership isn't isn't about love? You can't care for someone until you care about them and you can't tar- care about them until you know them
0: yeah I think I mean it's just <clears throat> even talking to you now it's it's amazing how much how much comes up in me and you know this because mm-hmm. you and I you know you and I have had <laughs> the opportunity to sort of be in the same space together before um, and this is really what I love about engaging with you um, you named it, right? Engage, like the word engage is to take a pledge with. Um, And I think what's really interesting is when you bring up words like pledge, you bring up love, and you bring up personal, it's amazing how much starts to happen in the fascia of the body, right? Mm -hmm. Like you start to, certain people um, maybe get a little bit fluttery, a little bit nervous, like hang on a second, we're in a work, we're in a workspace and we're using words like pledge and love and personal. Um, As you said, ne'er shall the two meet. And we are in a time and a place where I think we can't deny the fact that it is all one, as you've described. Mm -hmm. But that begs the question to me, which is, and and. And I've done a lot of work. You and I have done a lot of work. And I still ask myself sometimes, I feel like I have to straddle the fence Mm. in this world of things like love and care and pledge and work and leadership and persona and expectation and role and, you know, officer, like whatever whatever you want to call it, there's all of these things. And man, it's exhausting, Colin. (laughs) Right.
1: Imagine if you didn't have, if you stopped doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I struggle with this too, Bill, you, you know, this is, this is the human journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and as leaders, when we step into the, into that space of of managing and, and taking responsibility for others, you know, we, we, we call it the mantle of responsibility. Um, but there is, there is a, yeah, I say to people when I when I teach management or leadership or what have you, I say, if you don't love seeing other people thrive and helping them grow, then you have no business being a manager or a leader of people. And I learned that the hard way, because when I started, I didn't know that's what it was about and I wish somebody had told me and that's the thing is so many people get promoted into being managers and being leaders and nobody sits down and has a conversation with them about what that actually means. And what are you taking on and how is it different? I work with so many leaders to help them change their mind from being an individual contributor to being a shepherd of a team. So many leaders live in the mindset of I need to be right, have all the answers, figure it all out. It's all on me. Right? Well, no wonder leadership is lonely. You ain't sharing it. Right. It's all about you. You think you need, you know, it's our sense of identity. It's our sense of who I am. I am my results or I am my relationships or I am my, um, I am my ideas. When we can activate the higher self, the more aspirational parts of us, the more we can live in that space, the more love shows up and the less bifurcation and separation and you know all of the great teachers and prophets and and you know jesus and buddha and martin luther king all of them are pointing toward unity that we are all one but first we start by making ourselves a bunch of different pieces right we got to put that back together and then shepherd others in doing the same. The leader's job is to shepherd great people to do more great things in support of your great mission.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the way you described it, that aspect of like, if our job is to bring together groups or entities or visions and missions into one, the question I always wonder is, how can one person do that if they themselves are in pieces?
1: Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the, the great joke about communication is the fact that anybody thinks it's ever happened. <laughs> because shared meaning is so hard. And yet when we talk about leading with vision and purpose, what else are we talking about? When we're talking about creating caring connection, what else are we talking about? Where we're when we're talking about, you know, alignment and engagement, we are talking about creating shared meaning. That's what that organization of values and mission statements and purpose statements and all of those things are trying to do is to at least get us all moving. If it's if it's not due north, at least we're all generally moving north. We're all rowing generally in the same direction. Right. That's all about creating shared meaning, which means that what's in your head and what's in my head have to match enough when we say whatever, you know, our mission is to X. Well, if we don't have a common vision of what X is, we're in we're in deep trouble. Is that? And for some
0: go ahead. I was going to ask like just in the sense also is is that <clears throat> is that where some of the some of the body work comes into play, too. And not to take it off mm-hmm. here, but in the sense of, as you described, if if we're not in sync mental image-wise,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I imagine if people are not also in sync sort of energy-wise, it can be really hard mm-hmm. to even get to the same place. So so when people are, are doing some of this work, be it polarity, as you said, there were some other modalities that people maybe are looking into. And I've had former guests on who've talked about somatic you know the importance of somatic um work this this aspect of for any of us to kind of understand where we want to go it's not just in mind it's also in heart and it's also in body and sometimes the things that prevent us from getting to where mentally we know we want to be or the things that are holding us back in our in our heartbreak or in our body and, and as you said before the word trauma and and shame and right. some of those things that we don't even know and haven't tapped into that actually get in the way of
1: our leadership. Totally get in the way. Totally get in the way. And look, I, I I have had to wrestle with my own inner stuff to do the work that I do. I'm you know you I I don't know any coach worth their salt who hasn't done a bunch of their own deep work. Uh, and I know that because I have wrestled with that, because I have reconciled and healed it and what have you. It, it makes me a better coach. It makes me, and I still have way more work to do, right? For the want of a finish line, as, a, as my good friend says. And I keep telling people, there's only one finish line. <laughs> yeah. None of us are necessarily in a hurry for it, right? We're always dancing with it, but no, we're not yeah. in a hurry for it. And so I think the four pathways to transformation are in body, emotion, spirit, and thought. Our best selves are in the body, emotion, spirit, and thought, and they are always seeking something called congruence. So where the body goes, the emotions go, right? It is really yep. hard to smile and be mad yep. because that's incongruent. It's uh, That doesn't make sense to us. We can't stay in that space. One of them will shift. And so I work with clients in all four pathways and help them to see the patterns and the pathways and help them tune into you know, and for men in particular, not all men and many men, just not having a language around emotions, not being able to name them or differentiate them, understand where they come from. Some women too, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's not always a gender aligned. Um, That, that those four pathways can be, can be consciously walked and paid attention to. And that's, that's what I spend a lot of my, my work doing. I'll tell you, you want, to hear, you want to hear a funny story? This is one of it my is. favorite client moments. And she's given me permission to, to, to share it, but I won't name her name. was working with this woman. And at the time I was living in a condo and uh, it had a big balcony. And so we would coach out on the balcony. It's great. People, clients often love to get out of their offices and out of the space there generally. So I was like, come to my balcony, we'll coach out there. So she comes in and, and walks out onto the balcony. I'm sitting there waiting and she is pacing, like just like a caged animal. She is just pacing. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, I am stuck. I am just, I, it's like I am just up against this wall and I can't see any possibilities. I am just stuck. I just, I just keep hitting this wall. I do, and she talked about this wall like five or six times. And I said, okay, take a deep breath. And I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to feel perhaps a little unusual. Trust me. She said, okay. I said, I want you to go put your nose against that wall over there. And she looks at me with that look. You know the look. Like, (laughs) okay, crazy guy. I'm going to do this. But okay. So she goes and she stands and said, tell me what it's like here. She said, it's horrible. I can't see anything. I'm trapped. There's no place to go. Like, there's no there's no possibilities here. Said, Great, what do you want to do? She said, I want to turn around. I said, well, turn around. So she turns around, and her arms fly up, and she goes, oh, and this big breath. And she opens her arms wide, and there's all this space. I said, now what's possible? And she starts rattling off like, 10, 12 ideas and I'm just writing them down for her. And I'm like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And she's like, oh my gosh, there's all this space. So we finish and she looks at me and she says, so Colin, basically I'm paying you to tell me to turn around. (laughs) I said, yeah. She said, it is worth twice what I'm paying. I said, then feel free to pay me double. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm afraid happy to expand to take your it. arms even more. Exactly, expand, expand your arms right into your wallet and share mm-hmm. the love. Um, it, but it's you know the the I think I think we can't necessarily achieve real transformation until we explore all of those pathways. And find what's in our operating system that, that was laid down through trauma, through childhood, through work experiences, through everything we have lived, everything we have lived has created who we are. Are we conscious of that or or is it or is it in the driver's seat?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I probably I probably owe you a lot of, of back pay here myself because I think it was you. <laughs> That one of the first times we sat down together, I think it was you who reminded me that 80% of the word emotion is motion. I think I think I can attribute that to you if I if I'm yeah. if I'm remembering it's correctly. Energy
1: in motion. Yes. Yeah. So e motion.
0: E motion. And one of the things that you said to me, which I thought was so profound but also so simple, was you need to move. Like you need to dance, you need to sing, you need to jump up and down. In the case of this particular client you talked about, you need to turn around. You need to take a step back. Um, I think there's so much that we cage ourselves. You know, um, She even felt caged on an open balcony. Um, we cage ourselves in this place where we say, I can't move. Um, and actually, that's the first thing you need to do, is kind of move in order to understand where things are stuck and where things um, need more space. But I think it goes back to your earlier point. You, it starts with giving yourself permission, which is probably the first gesture of love.
1: Mm. Self-love is the permission to look at the stuff that's holding you back, the permission to, to recognize that you must care for the self in order to care for others. Uh, I think it was Chris wall. I attribute this to her. She's uh, one of the one of the founders of the Georgetown University Leadership Coaching Program. Amazing woman, just just brilliant and and beautiful and, and fantastic. I think it was her who said that the best gift a leader can give to their team is a well regulated nervous system. Oh, that's so great! <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Right, and that's what you're talking about, right? right. You you know, if I'm if I'm pacing like a caged animal. You know, moods and emotions are contagious. So if I am the leader and look, it, I, I'm also a big believer that an emotion named is an emotion tame. Yes. Yes. That when when it takes the charge out of it, when you can recognize and talk to it and say, oh, high frustration, not I am frustrated.
0: Right it's not me i am
1: experiencing it's not me it's it is something that is in my set that i'm experiencing i'm noticing it is present say oh hello hi i see you what brings you here
0: are you even mine? Do you belong here? Are you
1: even mine? Do you belong? Right? Are we, What brings you here? And it might be, oh, well, so and so's upset, and you're, oh, okay. Well, now that I see that, I can see that's not really mine. That's theirs. Let yes. me let me let it like, okay. Now I can just be supportive of theirs. I don't have to make it mine. For us empath types, yep. oh, we love to just take all that on, right? <laughs> yeah. When we can talk to it, and it says this is about Mary over here. Oh, well, that's Mary's stuff, not mine. And we can, you know, so so it's developing this observer yourself it's developing the ability to see yourself in action and to understand and and be able to articulate for yourself what is real there are no good or bad emotions there are no positive or negative emotions they are all useful because they are just signals signals of what's going on in our system so
0: I some some who might be listening are probably in that that range of like this is all good but this is mm-hmm. a little woo-woo for my taste. <laughs> and I get accused of that oftentimes uh-huh. too, um, uh-huh. which I think is great because it's an opener, right? I'm like, oh, tell me, mm-hmm. tell me more. Tell um, me more. What's your definition of woo-woo? But for mm-hmm. those that are listening and thinking, all right, I get, I get what Colin's saying, but some mm-hmm. of it spills into this, that woo-woo space. And for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. we'll just use that because it's a fun term. Because
1: it's a fun term. Right? Yeah.
0: You've, you've been in both worlds. <clears throat> I've been in both worlds. I think I dance in and out of both worlds sometimes. I'd love for you to talk about, again, it's, maybe it's a little bit of that, not straddling the fence in this, but it's integration. I think it's another word you used early on was integration. If, if there are people listening that are thinking, okay, I, I, I understand part of it, but I find it really difficult to bring in that, what you described so beautifully, it's like, like best investment you can get in a leadership development program is a well-integrated nervous system what is, what what do you say to some of those people that are, are on that cusp and saying, I get it, but man, there's something that's holding me back from dipping my toe into what me might be considered as woo-woo. And I know that the definition of this in Seattle is very different than the definition in Washington, D.C., having been in both <laughs> Washingtons. I can appreciate that. So we would love right. for you to expound upon that because it's a world you've been in for many years.
1: Yeah. That is a deep, rich question. And if I had the honor and I often have to be in a conversation with someone about, you know, Colin, wow, yeah, that all sounds great. And how do I do that? Like, where do I start? I'm like, Heil Rutledge at Otto Kroger and Associates, where I learned and got my certification in EQI and Myers-Briggs shared a phrase that I have fallen in love with, and I tell people strike where the iron is cold. Oh, interesting. In other words, if you're going to learn, if you're going to be a beginner at something, give yourself the permission to do it when the stakes are low. Yeah. Practice and look like, you know, I talk a lot about courageous conversations. There's so many great books, fierce conversations and crucial conversations and radical candor and all of these things. My belief is that we just need to bring our courage because the root word of courage is what? Heart. Sacre cour. Yes. Exactly. Right. (laughs) And when we bring our heart into any conversation, better conversations tend to show up. Mm -hmm. And the leadership game is conversational. Leadership is conversational. You are a professional. Anyone who's at work and coordinating and working with others, we are professional conversation havers and none of us go to conversation school. Yeah, I know. Right? (laughs) So one of the things I often work with people on to to lean into the woo-woo a little bit is to look at the conversations and help them see, well, which conversations do you shy away from? Which conversations make you nervous? What is it about that? And then we can start to unpack and start to say, well, what would happen if, instead of your head being in charge of this conversation, your, your heart showed up? What would happen if your gut were present? What would happen if a different you showed up? And the like, there's so many different ways to explore it. And then I don't, then I encourage people, don't go have the most challenging conversation, you know, you because you're now ready, you're all charged, you're pumped. Don't do that to yourself. Go have a few smaller, lower stakes conversations and practice and build the muscle of being able to regulate yourself and, you know, notice, oh, wow, when somebody says this kind of thing, that really gets me triggered. and 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 then to work with your vulnerability to say, Hey, I'm noticing that I'm feeling really tense in this conversation. What's going on for you? Again, mm-hmm. when we can just put it out there, suddenly we can work with it together, and and you know, and and have a whole different conversation. So I try to I try to bring the woo-woo to the tactical space of the leadership for people and help them start start small, build the muscle, try some experiments, begin some noticing. Don't go climb Mount Everest first, right? Maybe the hill in your backyard is 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 big enough for you right now. Start there,
0: yeah, because that the risk that comes I love the way you describe that because the risk that comes with putting your heart out there on something that's huge and big and you know has an enormity about it on the other side of that is a potential really big heartbreak, right? if it doesn't if it doesn't go according to Or, you know, the same thing with the Mount Everest example, you're not going to go scale Mount Everest without having done a lot of small climbs and hills and acclimating to the air and understanding what your oxygen and saturation level, you're just not going to do that. If you do, you're going to perish and you don't want
1: to do that. there's There's a trail of bodies. Mm -hmm. up Mount Everest that are frozen and they're never going to, you know, like that's where they will rest for, for as long as they, they rest. Right. Because of people who didn't, didn't do the work, but we don't see leadership as, as needing that of us. Right. And I think that's a really, I think that's unfortunate for ourselves first. What a horrible thing to to do to ourselves to say, Oh, I got this. I'll figure it out. Well, okay, good luck with that. I had a client who, um, who, you know, engaged me because we were just having a touch-based conversation. And, and I said to her, I was like, you know, all the world-class athletes have five or six different coaches. Yes. If you want to be a world-class leader, what makes you think that you don't need what this world-class baseball, like, And yet there's something, and particularly, and research has shown, the more senior we get in an organization, the less people tell us the truth. Yeah. And the more we, you know, the hubris of of the title gets in our own way until we flame out or have some horrible, you know, and I I just, I, I wish, I wish more for people. I wish they wouldn't make it so hard on themselves. And yeah, you can see, you I've know, had, I've if, had, I, if uh, I invest in this what's possible for me. Right,
0: right. and I I've, I've actually had conversations with with HR, you know, leaders. And it's been really interesting where let's say for example, I got some challenging feedback, accepted it, no problem. We all have our areas to grow in. And sometimes the thing that was offered was, hey, we're going to give you a little bit of coaching on that, right? Cuz that maybe not your strength. Yeah, no problem. Oftentimes, my question back to them is, okay, and what coaching is the person who's giving that feedback getting as well? Um, and what's really interesting, Colin, is I think it sort of threw people out of their chair. And I didn't mean it from a standpoint of, like, finger pointing. I meant it from the
1: standpoint of, well. How are they going to support this right. person in their learning journey if they have they learned how to do this?
0: Right. And oftentimes, they haven't. Um, and oftentimes I think the thing I've seen over the course of, you know, almost two decades of of this work is usually what ends up happening is a set of that feedback comes from a place of what somebody did to them years prior. Mm. So it's a, it's kind of rooted in shame a little bit, Mm. which is that aspect of like, Hey, what I wanted you to do was this, what I wanted to see was that, and, um, and that was once done to them, possibly. So they kind of parroted it and said, well, this is what leadership looked like to me. So therefore, in the absence, as you said, of crucial conversations and and leading with the heart, I'm just going to fill it in with something that was demonstrated to me before and maybe stung, right? Like maybe on the other end of that, mm-hmm. it stung. Um, and I don't think that's really where people want to be. Like I think, honestly, leaders would love it if they could take some of that coaching if it didn't Come in a in the sense of like, then I'm failing. Right. Like I mean, as you said, the higher up we go, and I love the analogy of the Olympics because we're kind of in that time. You know, the that higher is... up an Olympian goes, the more coaching they get, the more refinement they get, the more they're
1: watching their own tapes. And the, the were not more doing the, that. that's right. The more they're not on the field, they're not on the balance beam, the more they're practicing in, in their head or they're watching themselves, they develop the observer self. Yeah. Right? And yet we, we leaders, we, we, we other people go out and try to do this magical thing called leadership without doing that. I was having a really interesting conversation with a, a, a CEO who was a client of mine. I was not his coach, but I was doing a lot of work in his organization. We were at dinner one night and he, you know, he said, I keep thinking about hiring you. I think I should just hire you. And I was like, mm, you can't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, what? And I was like, just, you you can't, like, to convince me to go back into any organization when I get to play in this bigger space would cost a lot of money that you as a startup don't have. <laughs> like, don't spend it on that. You don't, don't hire me. And he was like, okay, all right, I hear you. He said, but I'll tell you why I don't hire you. It's not money. I was like, tell me why. He said, because I would listen to you differently. Yep. And as soon as those words came out of his mouth, he looked at me and said, oh, I should talk to my coach about that, shouldn't I? And I said, well, if you're hiring great people to do great things for your mission and then you're not listening to them, then either you're not trusting that you're hiring great people or or it sounds like your, your ego thinks you have to have all the answers. Right. Yeah, rich ground for coaching. Mm-hmm. What a gift to have someone that just can mirror that back for you and say... Did you hear what you just said? Right. Look, the truth will set you free, just not usually before it sets you off. I think that we, needs to be a bumper sticker. <laughs> right. It's a, it does. Look, I've been pissed at myself for so many things. I think when we can give ourselves grace and recognize, you know, Maya Angelou, Auntie Maya, we love me so much, mm-hmm. you know, right? Once you know better, do better. Yeah. But it's the learning better. That's the journey of leadership. That's the journey of coaching. That is the journey of self-development and the spirit journey and the whatever religion or faith or whatever you know, any of that is all about being a better human being. Being And the leader is about being a fully functional human being.
0: You know, it's it's interesting. I think back to again, there's so much stuff we've watched and learned and consumed differently during the pandemic. And this will kind of be a surprise to some people, but maybe not to others. The thing that comes to mind for me is if you've ever watched the series Mandalorian, the Star Wars Mm -hmm. series Mandalorian, it's a great series, but there's also Mm -hmm. this offshoot with Jon Favreau, who's the director. And they kind of show you the behind the scenes of how the Mandalorian was made. And the interesting thing is when I started watching it, I thought it was gonna be much more about the technology. But what it ended mm-hmm. up being, Colin, was it showed how John Favreau as a director entrusted these producers, these young producers and young directors, one of which was Dallas Howard, who's the daughter of Ron Howard and yeah. others. And it was it ended up kind of being this expose in his own leadership growth because he as a director had been directing for so long but realized I have a lot more to learn from mm. this young talent, from the way they see things, from the way they interact with technology, and frankly, from how they're interacting with the story of Star Wars. And you watch him, I don't want to say- Yeah, evolve. Transform. I was going to say yield, yeah. but, it's, but it's evolve. And, you know, he steps out of that quote unquote director chair, right? And I think mm-hmm. in organizations that you and I play in a lot, there, there's that term director. And we think it requires, you must have all the answers, you must have all the authority, you must have all the exuberance wrong. Like if you think about a really good director, if a director on a set were constantly interrupting
1: the players, the producers, you'd
0: never get any of it filmed. You, you just, nothing would get done.
1: I was an actor for many, many years. I don't know if you knew that, right? And the best directors were the ones who- who let me find my best performance by mirroring for me what really landed and what they sensed I was struggling with the worst directors were the one who ones who I, I once quit a production because he was all about I want to create a beautiful visual picture and I was like why is my character tying his shoes he's in his underwear he's not leaving what why are you well it looks good and I'm like there's no meaning behind this. There's no, I had to quit the production because I was this, I was just like, no, well, leaders are no different. Exactly. And people are quitting our productions. They are all the time. They're, they're Look at the talent market. Either, either literally, or they have quit and are still sitting in the chair. Yes. They've checked out. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think, I think, you know, the, the, the best leaders like you are those that are that are pulling the best performances out of others instead yeah. of performing themselves.
0: Yeah. And it's it's it is an evolution. And what's really an interesting and you know this better than anyone performance management around this. Right. Yeah. I mean, the the, the challenge is. How do you encourage people to evolve where you are actually not interrupting the scene to, to, to cast this magical vision in your mind that you think you're getting graded on, right? You're thinking about the academy award and everybody's like, there's no academy award if half your set is walking off the, the
1: scene. <laughs> right, right. Right. Half the workers are gone. Right. Or, you know, well, and if you're doing it for the award, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Bingo. Yep. Much like anything, right? And and look, I, my ego loves compliments. Everybody's does. But what I have discovered is now when somebody says to me, you've changed my life or you've changed how I look at the world, you've changed my relationships, you have changed who I am. And I, I'm very quick to say you allowed me to be part of the journey of your change. hmm you did the changing. Right. I got to be a companion on the journey right. and it's it's sacred space. i get I get to be privy to deep, sacred conversations. I mean, I think about I think about the first conversation you and I had mm-hmm. and that was a sacred conversation. We were at a party. You want to tell the story?
0: I would love to tell the story. I love this this is one of my
1: favorite stories.
0: <laughs> tell the story. so I actually just shared this uh this story with a whole cadre, class of uh, leaders that are kind of in mid-career. They're about to become mm-hmm. kind of managers. So the story, the way that you and I met was, um, I went to a birthday party for a friend of ours who was turning 50. If I recall, I showed up a little bit later. The house was already full of guests. Uh, this friend, who's also, also named Bill, um, was hosting. It was his 50th party. And I showed up, came through the door, and as you know, and most people know about me, um, I tend to kind of be overwhelmed in crowds, as we talked about before. So I show up, open the door, and kind of froze in the foyer, right? Just sitting there, like, taking it in. I'm not sure which way to go. Um, And I believe you made a beeline to me (laughs) from the other (laughs) side of this very beautiful house. um, And came straight up to me and said... Something along the lines of, I don't know who you are, but you just lit up this room uh, in a way you could never understand. So my name is Colin, and I had to come over here and introduce myself. And <laughs> we learned very briefly that you and I are both friends with the, the you know, the mm-hmm. birthday boy, the host, and that sort of didn't surprise us. Um, and so began our friendship. Um, but I shared what's really interesting about this this story is I shared this in this cohort of future leaders, and the way I shared it was I was telling them the importance of never letting your own light, your own imprint, your own soul print, if you want to call it that, dim. Never letting anybody dim that from you. Um, and I believe the you know the specific words I kind of said to them was never let anyone dim nor dampen, nor steal or extinguish your light. Instead, find yourself in a room full of people where your very own Colin McClutchy parts (laughs) the Red Sea of humans to come over and tell you how bright your light is in this world. And they were kind of like, who's Colin McClutchy and how do I find one? Um, <laughs> so I imagine your website might be Colin your at
1: fivewaysforward.com that's yeah. what you're <laughs> fivewaysforward.com Exactly.
0: I shared that story because I was with a group of people who frankly were st- hungry for permission mm. Mm. to let to their shine. light shine to shine and I remember that moment so succinctly because even in my moments of slight overwhelm, slight nervousness, slight doubt, right? Like, what am I doing here? I don't know if I could be here with all these people. I still shone bright like a diamond, as as Rihanna would say. And you Mm -hmm. saw it, and you came over without even knowing me and said, don't ever let anybody take that away. So Mm -hmm. began a wonderful friendship. So began a a wonderful teaching and learning. And I'm just so honored by that.
1: It's, It's such a great memory. It's such because there was, you know, your, your energy, your presence, everyone's energy and presence has the power to make a difference. We all do. What is the difference that we want to make? We get to choose that, I think. Um, and, and, and I could just sense that, you know, you walked in and there was, I was like, oh, the energy just shifted. And it needs it needs a little it needs a little channeling it needs a little it needs a little he's a little scattered and so I just was like hi I don't know you and you're you just changed this room for the better trust that it's okay Mm -hmm. welcome oh and I'm Colin right (laughs) by by the way way. this is is who I am but to to say that in such a way like.
0: I mean, in a room of like, I don't know. There must have been what fifty or more people in that room, right? At least, yeah, um, probably. And and to say that aspect of like, yeah, you just lit up this room in in the most mysterious way, um, but also to know it's a little bit scattered, yeah. And 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 know that kind of in that moment, I probably needed somebody to help me sort of focus a little bit. Yeah. and um, take one step, right? And that's that's also the the power of the work that we both do is, I've said this a number of times before, the hardest part about change is it feels really lonely. And yeah. when you're lonely, this goes back to the emotions and the heart, it's really hard to figure out how to take that first step. Your client had the same experience, right? Her nose was against the wall. Right. What she needed right. to do was just take one step and pivot, maybe just two steps. But turn if, around. if you think that you're the only it. one experiencing it, yeah. You're like I don't know how to do yeah. this.
1: Well, and if you think you're alone in it, if you if you if you are, you know, um, uh, I was. Is it David White, one of my favorite poets? Oh yes. And I get him and John O John O Donahue, uh, John O Donahue confused a little. But uh, David's David, still living. John is passed. David's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, who said? Who said in one of his poems, "The great mistake is to act the drama as if you are alone." Yes. now i think that's twofold I, I i haven't gotten a chance to ask david i haven't called him up recently um when you do i want to be a fly on the wall i do know his wife i have met his oh, wife really? i play I, I claim a little connection to david okay. um if only vicariously but i think there's two parts to that quote the great mistake is to act the drama as if you are alone yeah they're right there there those are those both those phrases the great mistake is to act the drama mm-hmm. and the great mistake is to act as if you are alone yes i need maybe he'll listen to this maybe i'll send it to him and he can like respond and say "Ooh, colin yes you got it or no that wasn't what i meant at all i don't know we'll see well you've got a so pretty I, powerful manifestation in you so <laughs> i'm sure you can make it happen <laughs> I could can, I can just, you know, Facebook his wife would go, hey, could you, ha- could you have him listen to the last kind of portion of this little podcast and see if I got it right? Um, you know, words create worlds. Mm-hmm. Words are generative. That is how, and, and so the words we say to and about ourselves and to and about other people and to and about what's possible and what's not is probably energetically, creatively, what is helping us move forward or what is holding us back Yep. and so i hope that as a result of this podcast i hope that as a result of the work that i do that i get to do that i'm deeply honored to do that people pay attention more to the story that they're living and decide to be the author of it instead of it being written for them i used to have on my email signature at work the future is simply history waiting to be written write well yes and so my wish is that people will take the pen and maybe with the assistance of a coach or friends or a support system and and themselves to go into the woods to go into the into the dark night of the soul because just because it's dark doesn't mean it's not beautiful um and that they start to to write a bit of a different story for themselves and for others about what's possible and 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 what we get to create here if we're intentional so that's my wish that's my wish for you i have seen you rewrite and rewrite and continue to write and yeah. and evolve and unfold um and allow your light to shine and uh and I, that's my benediction, I guess, for this po- podcast is that, that people will take the pen and look at the story they're writing and turn a new page and get the support they need from themselves and others to say, hey, hey, is this, is this the story I want to be living or is something else possible for me? And if it is, then keep writing, Absolutely. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> don't change a thing.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate, I just love the fact that like, you know, we talked about, like you said, words make worlds, right? We've talked about pledges, we've talked about benediction, we talked about love and leadership. I mean, these are all things that in some places people would feel like they don't belong on the same page. I would challenge people listening to say they do belong on the same page. And as you said, write that story. And when you get to that place of slight discomfort, Keep writing, because chances are Keep that's writing. the story that needs to be written. That's a story that yes. needs to emerge.
1: That's right. Um, that's right. It is, that's 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 where the juice is.
0: Mm-hmm. Where that's... can people find more about you? Um, I so appreciate you sharing your story, but yeah, best place for people to connect with you if they are um, so intrigued and want to have one of those moments where you part the Red Sea of humans and find
1: <laughs> <them>. <laughs> so uh my website address is fivewaysforward.com f-i-v-e forward dot uh, dot com five ways um colin at fivewaysforward.com linkedin i have a facebook presence for five ways forward feel free to to join on there or follow me on linkedin um and you know how to get a hold of me i do yeah if they know how to get a hold of you they they can get a hold of me awesome thank thank you so much it's been an honor and and i just uh you know bill being being witness and some small part of of your journey is um deeply enriching for me and the conversations we have though though perhaps more infrequent than we might prefer yeah are um always rich and meaningful and i learn from you as uh, in in powerful powerful ways thank you and so i always you appreciate putting your voice into yeah. the world
0: yeah you're very welcome <laughs> thanks for being uh, a part of that um and and seeing me in ways that uh that i didn't necessarily and thanks for always kind of being on the on on the other end of a call you know, when the world is falling apart, there's a there's a handful of people that you know you reach out to, and I've always appreciated the opportunity to kind of connect with you um, in those moments and kind of find my feet. I remember you said to me, "Okay, put your feet on the ground, <laughs> like feel your feet, all <laughs> feel
1: right, your feet, like okay, touch your feel the touch your shoulders, it's, you know, like, it's still there. You yeah. can't go any lower than the ground. Right. You, you got it, yeah." yeah.
0: Um, So it's been great. I so appreciate you joining, sharing a little bit of your wisdom and insight um, and just always a pleasure. And I look forward to when we can connect again in person, whenever that is. But I also know a little bit of this, this, uh, you know, friendship relationship is a little bit timeless, which I love. And I know John O'Donohue and David David White would love that too.
1: (laughs) I know they would. I know they would.
0: Thank you, Colin. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you.